everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host, and with me today is, of course, the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. And joining us is Evan Weiner. Evan, of course, writes for Sports Talk Florida and is someone who travels the world talking about sports and politics and how it all goes together. And Evan, welcome today. Um, you just came off of a West Coast swing. Yeah, I've been uh, actually in eastern Canada. I was uh, up in Halifax, Quebec City, Charlottetown, PEI, and I understand why Quebec City did not get an NHL expansion franchise because if you go into the uh, tourist area, the walled city, lots of empty storefronts and the Canadian dollar at that point was about 75, 76. And small market, empty storefronts, doesn't make uh, a good place for an expansion team or an established team for that matter. And I was out on the West Coast in Vancouver where real estate is going through the roof to the point where if you have to spend X amount of dollars, I think it's a million loonies that you also have to pay 15% on top of that to make sure that uh, you're legit. Um, so Vancouver is very is probably the most expensive city, believe it or not, now in um, Canada. And I was down in L.A. and then San Francisco. And one thing that shocked me about walking through San Francisco, and I was there on the weekend for two days, the amount of Oakland Raiders shirts that you saw with people walking around in the absolute dearth of San Francisco 49ers. I was talking to my wife about that, and a woman overheard me. I said, wow, there's not one Niners shirt. And a woman said, well, that's because the Niners, I'll let you fill in the uh, words she <laughs> used this year. <laughs> so lots of Raiders fans in, in San Francisco, believe it or not. And uh, unfortunately, would be, they may not would be, be there very much proud. longer. Go ahead, Ira. You were going to say? I'm saying Al, Al Davis would be very proud. Uh, you know, guys, uh, the Bucks took a trip to San Francisco. There was one stretch where they played there like three times out of four years. It was some kind of schedule cork. Mm-hmm. And I forgot the year. Uh, Evan would know, maybe 2012, 2011. Um, and I, got, I left the day early and got up uh, on Saturday morning and – to the news that Al Davis had just passed away. I think it was a Saturday uh, morning. Yes. And um, actually, it was uh, Yom Kippur. Died yeah. On Yom and Kippur. I, I and I uh, I walked down to AT and T Park from my hotel because um, I'm a big Giants fan. Uh, you know, going way back, uh, Anderson can vouch for that. And um, boy, um, just to see uh, when somebody of the stature of, of Al Davis passes away. Um, and I don't care what side of the bay you're on, Evan. Um, that that that's a big one. That that's a big one. Uh, what an icon uh, out on the West Coast. And I always say this, Evan. You know, for the young fans that only knew Al Davis from the days that he got crazy about the move to L.A. and the war uh, with Roselle, they they don't remember the real Al Davis. And you talk about he's one of the most important figures in in football history, and um, and I'm not sure the young the young people know about that. No, they don't. Uh, it's funny. I found out uh, I was actually in synagogue when Pat Hanlon, the Giants uh, PR guy who uh, vice president of PR, um, called me over because we're at services and uh, and I usually sit with Pat because. 
Pat knows I'm not going to ask him anything about Tom Coughlin and, and Eli and all that. So it's a safe zone for him. And he said, I just got a text from um, the Mara family. Al had just passed away, and I knew exactly uh, what he said. But, you know, Al Davis, if you go back, um, I, I went to uh, Delphi University one day, and Al was getting uh, honored there. And I didn't know Al was the baseball coach at Delphi University out on Long Island. And uh, one thing he told me, he said, depending on the opponent, we used to move the fences in or out. <laughs> I said, how? He said, they were movable fences like you have in college. And he said, they used to accuse me of moving the fences in and out. And he said, uh, the signs still said 345 down the lines and 370 in uh, left and right center field and 420 in center field. They could have measured it. They never did. So how'd they know I moved the fences? Always looking for the edge, right, Evan? Always looking oh, yeah, for like, the edge. Uh, Jim Otto once told me, he said, you know, it never rained in the Bay Area. And uh, uh, and he said, but our field was always muddy. Well, there you go, Joe. Uh, Eddie, let's uh, – Joe, you want to – is there anything you want to know about uh, – the, the, Evan is infamous in San Diego for a number of reasons, not the least of which he got Alex Spanos in trouble. But um, Joe, you want to talk? Yeah. Go ahead. I'd, I'd be I'd be curious uh, to uh, to know your thoughts on um, what the Chargers do now that the uh, stadium referendum went down. Um, they've been trying to get a stadium out there since. Well, uh, I read when, when, when the Bucks were in the Super Bowl. Yeah, since I spoke to Alex Spanos around March 29th, 2000, um, I was uh, out at the NFL owners meeting over in uh, Palm Beach, and um, I was just walking around the uh, lobby of the Breakers, and my wife was with me, and I said um, to her, I said, uh, oh, there's Alex Spanos, let me go speak to him and say hello to him. And she said, who's Alex Spanos? I said, he's the owner of the Chargers. So I went over to Alex and I said, uh, a little small talk. And I said, hey, look, I want to uh, ask you about the Padres stadium. I didn't ask him about his stadium uh, or his stadium needs. He said, let me ask you about uh, the Padres stadium and what do you think? And he basically said, they got one. We didn't. And we're not very happy that we didn't get one. And um, that kind of mushroomed out in San Diego to where Alex said we're moving, which he never said. Uh, what he did tell me was that they were very disappointed that they did like San Diego, but they couldn't compete uh, with the stadium, which, by the way, was good enough for what the 2003 Super Bowl was. That what yeah, uh, the, the last Super Bowl that's, was in, in San that's Diego. When the Bucks were there. Yeah, right. and so and they had rebuilt that stadium, and not only did they rebuild that stadium, but uh, Alex also had a deal where any unsold seats. Uh, at that point, uh, and that went away. But uh, during the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, Alex, if he had uh, unsold seats, the city of San Diego would buy it, give it out to uh, charities or whatever, so they would have a sellout. So the stadium was actually pretty good if you consider they had the, the Super Bowl there. And so Alex basically told me that um, they were disappointed that the Padres got the stadium and that um, he was still working with the mayor, hoping that something would happen. And um, in the San Diego media, 
couple things happened, which I found rather interesting. One was Alex was moving, which he never told me he was moving. He just wanted a stadium. And secondly, and guys like Ted Leitner, who were at Channel 8 in San Diego at the time, and Jerry Coleman, Lieutenant Colonel Jerry Coleman, who is one of the grand men of baseball, one of the nicest people of baseball. Uh, I had gotten back to New York, and the Padres had come into town. And um, Jerry said uh, to me, he said, boy, he said, uh, you really awakened the sleeping giant there. I said, what, with, with Alex? He said, yeah. Now, the first thing that happened was a guy by the name of Steve Schofeld uh, wrote in the uh, – not the the Union Tribune, the paper, I think it was North, called North Coast, whatever, and suggested I took advantage. Yeah. yeah, that's it. He suggested I took advantage of a feeble old man in Alex and uh, and basically said that, um, you know, I, I put stuff in Alex's mouth, and Alex didn't say what he really said. And I said, hey, you want to hear the tape? Uh, and he backed off. And Ted Leitner was on Channel 8 saying I took advantage of a fool. And that uh, I should have been kinder to a senior citizen. And uh, there was a woman who wrote a piece on me in the San Diego uh, Reader. Oh, yeah, San Diego Reader. And she all of a sudden was she was freelancing for both the the, uh, the weekly paper and the San Diego Union Tribune. And all of a sudden, the Union Tribune told her after the story came out on me, and I explained what happened with Alex that she could either freelance for the weekly paper or the uh, Union Tribune, and she couldn't do either. Uh, and she couldn't do that anymore, and she chose to stay with the uh, weekly paper. So there were some recriminations that uh, happened, uh, and uh, her name was uh, Susie. Uh, i got to think of her last name. But uh, there were some recriminations. And uh, it was kind of uh, it was kind of really strange. Uh, Larry Weissman, um, who I think we all know, um, mm-hmm. who was writing for USA Today, uh, said to me, Susie Hagstrom was the woman's name, by the way, Susie Hagstrom. Um, anyway, um, Larry Weissman came up to me and he said, I got to congratulate you. I said, for what? He said, you woke people up around here. I said, why? For a five minute conversation with Alex? He said, yeah. So congratulations on the scoop. By the way, can you tell a USA Today writer how you go about getting a scoop? Because we don't know how to do that USA Today. <laughs> Which is, you know, if you know Larry, that, that's yeah. Larry. And, and I had known Larry since the late 1970s when we both covered the New York Islanders uh, way back then in the late 1970s. But uh, it was funny. Uh, I can say this. Alex Spanos never denied saying what he said. Uh, He never put me down in any way, Uh, and uh, I found subsequently from a lot of people in the NFL who all of a sudden I became friends with because they gave Alex a get-out-of-jail card, a free get-out-of-jail card, um, that Alex was a really, really, really loyal guy, and that uh, Alex, uh, if, if Alex respected you, Alex was not going to do anything to screw you in any way, shape, or form. This is uh, the Sunshine Boys podcast with Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman, our guest today, Evan Weiner And um, Joe, um, you know, I think that a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen uh, with the um, with the Oakland Raiders, if they're going to move or whatever, because I don't know. Uh, I, I think all of us have been to the Oakland 
uh, Coliseum in all of its different various stages over the years. <laughs> and it's the only stadium that I've ever seen that has been renovated and it looks worse. Uh, I don't know yeah. how that happened, but you know, uh, cheap labor, I don't know what it was, but I, I can't figure it out. Um, Ira, you've been there. What you, you got, did, well, did, Joe, do you and Ira you have a good story yeah, about that stadium? That's the infamous black hole, right, Joseph? Uh, oh, it's awful. You know, um, Evan, I, I, go, I believe it opened in 66. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, so you, you got, know, it's funny. You know, what's that, funny about that. I was, I speak on cruise ships uh, and, and all. So, um, I, you never know who is going to be in your audience when you speak on cruise ships. And uh, I forgot where I was. It was probably going out. Maybe it was going out to Hawaii. Maybe it was going to Alaska somewhere. And a guy comes up to me, and he introduces himself as an architect. I said, no. <laughs> you know, he said, but I'm not just the architect. I designed the Oakland Coliseum. And I said, oh, you mean a cement bowl where you could eat Cheerios out of? He <laughs> said, yeah, that's, that was basically it. That was it. It was one of those cookie-cutter stadiums that was built in the 1960s and 70s, no different from Bush Stadium in St. Louis, eventually the vet in Philadelphia, Shea Stadium, the one in Cincinnati. And basically his thing was we're going to put a football field in there. And they said, but we're also going to have a baseball stadium in there. So he said, you got to build it. He said, they told him to build it with putting a, a gridiron going east to west or gridiron going north to south. Or if he could do it in both instances, do it. And that's, that was what he was told, to build a gridiron that went either north or south, east or west, if we get baseball in there, to have it for both, which is why you have the, the foul territory, foul ball territory, which is immense in Oakland, as you know. And he said um, they did it. The Oakland City Council approved it. Alameda County approved it. And he said um, he got invited to opening day, which was a Raiders football game, and he never went back since because he said it was a lousy stadium to watch a game from. That was the architect of the place. Oh, man. It, I would concur with him on that, by the way. He designed it. He designed I know. It, I've, I've seen it. them. I've, I've covered baseball and football in that stadium. And it was actually a nice little baseball stadium before they ruined it. And it's, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm starting to think that, that what the Oakland, whatever it's called these days, the, the stadium there, was built um, and and kept around so it would make the uh, people at Tropicana Field feel good, because <laughs> that's about the only stadium I would see out there that I would I would put on par with the awfulness that is uh, the Trop. But um, Oakland, uh, well, the Raiders have got to get out of there. They've got to get out of there, and uh, you know it doesn't it doesn't look like they're going to be able to. To, to work a deal to stay in Oakland. Uh, uh, do you think uh, that this uh, Vegas thing is real? Or uh, could they move well, and, let's, and leave? Let, let's yeah. back this all up because, uh, as Jim knows, one of my best friends is a guy by the name of Jeff Buren, who is Al Davis's attorney. And uh, to show you the loyalty of Al Davis, you can talk about him being a legendary figure. Jeff was a paralegal working for Alioto's people uh, during the uh, – Joseph Alioto uh, during the uh, trial against Los Angeles. 
and Al was very impressed with Jeff's due diligence to that he had everything in order, whatever they needed, uh, Eliodo's team, Jeff provided. And Al said to uh, Jeff, look, uh, what, what are your plans? And Jeff said nothing much because he had graduated USC with a uh, degree in religion and was on the USC football staff. And his basic job was to keep people like Gary Jeter academ- academically eligible. I'm not going to get into that right now, but Gary was academically eligible. So Al said, have you ever thought about going to law school? And Jeff said, yeah, I thought so. He said, I'm going to make a deal. He said, I'm going to send you to law school. All you have to do is get a B-plus average. I'm going to put you through law school. You're going to graduate, and you're going to work for me. And that's how it's going to work, and you'll be with me for 10 years, and then you could go. But Jeff did about 30 years with Al because Al took care of him, and that's a side of Al that you never see. And Jeff has told me a lot of stuff over the years about the Raiders, uh, including how the Raiders should have stayed. Al Davis should have stayed in um, Los Angeles in 1995, where uh, Kroenke is putting the stadium now in Englewood. Al had the right to build the stadium there along with Marvin Davis. And uh, he worked out the deal. They were going to be in between Hollywood Park and, and the uh, Shelley Saltman place before him. Uh, and that's where they were going to put the stadium with that huge parking lot. And they worked out the deal. The NFL came back to him and said, um, okay, uh, what do you got there? And he said, well, we want five Super Bowls to help sell the place. Okay, you could have five Super Bowls to sell the luxury boxes and the PSAs and, and PSLs, rather, and, and signage and everything else. And the NFL came back and said, you yeah, know, we've been thinking about this, and we think you only should have three Super Bowls in 10 years. Oh, and by the way, we want to put a second team in there. You're going to do all the selling of the seats. You're going to do all the selling of the signage and the concessions. You're going to set that all up, and the second team is going to come in and going to share it with you, and we're going to give you a year uh, to do all this and then put the second team in there. And Al didn't like that, and then they came back and said, oh, we revised this, and you're only going to get one Super Bowl. And that's when Al pulled the plug on Los Angeles and went back to Oakland. And, of course, they built Mount Davis, as they call it, and got rid of the uh, the Berkeley Hills scene behind the outfield there so they could put seats up there to match the, the football stadium going east to west. Uh, and one of the things when the stadium was built was that scenery that you were supposed to see of the Berkeley Hills behind there. So Al went back, and Oakland picked up the debt on building that for Al, and the new stadium or any football proposal starts with who's going to pay off the $95 million debt that's still on Mount Davis. And hey, Evan, the Raiders, me for yeah. a second. Um, since this podcast only lasts for a day, I was yeah. wondering if, um, if we could get to, to, um, you know, to Las Vegas uh, sometime before 10. Uh, so... Okay, well, we will. <laughs> We will, but I just got. I'm I appreciate you know, God. You you know I love you, know, you and is, we've been together for over twenty years. But Jesus, I, all right, come Myron, on. This, this is the Myron Cohen. I know it's you know? the Myron Cohen stuff, but stop. You got to come back to. Let's go. I'm got, sorry. But, but 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 why they they don't have a place in Oakland? Somebody's got to pay off that ninety-five million dollars. Thank you. <laughs> and so they decided to cast their lot with Sheldon Adelson, which. Is another Myron Cohn story, which I won't get into right now. <laughs> okay, we're not on a cruise ship. 
This is a participation <laughs> sport, okay? Yes. Uh, because I don't have a buffet in front of me, and I'm not floating. So, no, but us, that's how tell, that's that's. Tell us reason. in 500 words or less yeah. what the hell's happening in in Las Vegas, okay? Well, that's that's the reason they got to Las Vegas is the the Raiders owner Thank does you. not want to pay off the 95 million dollars in debt. In Oakland and Alameda County, said you have to, and Alameda County has dropped out, so it's Oakland. They don't want to pay the debt, so as long as that $95 million debt is out there, there's going to be no stadium unless Davis and the Raiders' ownership decide to build a place and pay off that $95 million debt, which is why they've captured their lot with Sheldon Adelson. What are the chances that they go to Vegas? Well... It depends on Sheldon Adelson, really. Um, if Sheldon wants to build the stadium, uh, which he claims he is, even though he's only he's not throwing all the money in there, uh, Sheldon, I guess, wants a piece of the action because Sheldon likes money, and it depends on negotiations. Sheldon's prepared to walk away, he said, unless he gets what he wants. Ira, Joe, That's do you it. think that um, that Vegas would be a good um, NFL city? There's oh, I think it would be the most. It'd be the most popular road trip for people. I'll tell you that. And um, yeah, I think it would be a good NFL city. And you know, everybody's going to throw their hands up and go, "Oh, but you know, gambling, gambling." What do people think these fantasy football leagues are? You know, this money is being exchanged. Okay, let's just let's just cut out the sanctimonious crap. Uh, Vegas just got it down to a science. So, yes, I think it would be a fine NFL city, and I I think that if the Raiders do go there, uh, can a Super Bowl in Vegas be far behind? Uh, it's you know it's it's a new world, and uh, once again, I think the Raiders will be uh, out ahead of the uh, the curve on this. I think they'll go. How about you, Ari? You think that they would go to um, Vegas? Well, I, I don't know what Evan thinks, but I, I just I, I think there's too much money for this not to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Jones, I believe, is behind it for whatever reason. Jerry Jones has a lot of clout uh, in the NFL. Uh, he was a driving force in, in getting Kroenke, uh, that spot in Los Angeles, when a lot of people didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, they thought the Raiders and the Chargers would, would beat the Rams uh, to L.A. It didn't happen. Um, you know, Adelson will... Ultimately, Evan, he's a businessman. Um, he'll find a way to make money out of this deal. Uh, they'll end up in Vegas. Uh, people will scream about it for six months. Uh, and then when the fans turn out, which they will, uh, because there's not a lot of sports competition out there, um, everybody's going to be happy. I, I, I think it's going to happen. Well, I live by the George Young philosophy. And this is the George Young philosophy. And George was one of the smartest guys I ever met in all of sports. And he once told me, he said, you show me a player who says he'll play for nothing, and I'll show you a liar. It's all about the money. That's true. And, and I, if, I, I, think that Sheldon, I think Sheldon will come up with the money. Yeah, I mean, well, no, he has come up with the money. He just wants, he wants his investments enhanced. Um, and, and, you know, all these people who scream and yell about gambling and all that, the NFL is in London now. And uh, if you walk through London, as you all know, uh, there's William Hill and all these sports betting parlors on virtually every street corner, and that's where the NFL wants to go. 
Um, so you tell me about the gambling. The gambling is no big deal. It's never been a big deal. Um, the the part of the problem with Las Vegas, and, and it shouldn't impact anybody in football, but will in the NHL, small market, um, they got high rollers, sure, but uh, is there corporate support? Yeah, if the, the casinos are on board, there's corporate support. If they're not on board, and since Sheldon owns the sand, they're obviously on board with the NFL. So you'll get that. Um, the difference between the NFL and the NHL going in there is TV market. And um, will Las Vegas get a big TV contract for the NHL? Probably not. But in the NFL, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. So I guess we're all of a mind that the Oakland Raiders eventually will be the Las Vegas Raiders. If, the, if Sheldon, you know, Sheldon gets his deal. I think that I think Sheldon will get his deal. Um, let's see. You know, as far as the Chargers go, I know they. I know the Spanos family wants to stay in San Diego, and I don't think Stan Kroenke is going to necessarily uh, roll out the red carpet for them. And and the reason why is that look at the competition in L.A. for the entertainment dollars. Um, you got the Dodgers. I mean, the Angels are down in Orange County. Uh, but they put Los Angeles in the title so they could get uh, Los Angeles money. Uh, you got the Kings. Uh, you got the Lakers and Clippers, and Balmer wants a new arena. And also, the other thing that other cities don't have, you, you got two pro football teams in Los Angeles, USC and UCLA. And they're all fighting for money, and there's a fin- finite amount of money going around, as even the New York Yankees have found out. Uh, in New York, and um, you know, you know, that's that's a problem in L.A. in terms of, and there's also something else that Phil Rizzuto would have told you that he didn't know about, as Bill White reminded him on the Fourth of July years ago when the Yankees didn't sell out, and he said, "Scooter, ever hear of something called the beach?" Yes, and, and that is competition in L.A. So there is L.A. may be they may be at the saturation point. You know, they do have three pro football teams here, USC, UCLA, and 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 the Rams. Well, I think that they were happy to get them back, and, um, you know, from that standpoint. But uh, let's talk a little bit, Ira, Joe, uh, let's, and Evan, let's talk a little bit now about um, the state of the NFL. Is it in good uh, – is it in good health, or are these TV ratings that are dropping uh, – just a sign of the times. Uh, what What do you think? No, guys, I, I've heard so many reasons. Evan and Joe, you you've heard this stuff too. Uh, the election uh, is taking people's uh, attention away, and the mm-hmm. Thursday night matchups aren't very good. Uh, let me throw out a, a simpler answer, gentlemen. Sure. And, and I take no pleasure in saying this. Uh, it's not a good product right now. There's a major problem with, with the game. Mm-hmm. Joe and I have talked about it. Uh, every game now, we're talking about officials. Mm-hmm. Penalties are killing the game, most particularly pass interference. Uh, I dare say, guys, if I'm an offensive coordinator, and I don't care what kind of quarterback I got, mm-hmm. uh, I'm throwing deep eight times a game, eight times. I'm going to complete one or two. I'm going to get two flags. I throw one pick, but that's like a punt. Uh, You can't play pass defense anymore. Every incompletion, I'm looking for a flag. Everybody on this uh, 
podcast is nodding in agreement. Every yes. every incompletion, I'm looking for a flag. Uh, it's not a very good product right now. Uh, the games are lousy. There's only about, well, New England. Uh, there might only be one really good team. One. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not sold completely on the Cowboys. And the Raiders, Evan, with all due respect, got a great young quarterback, but their defense is kind of average. Um, they've made great strides, but there's, there's no, you know, you talk about parity. Guys, there's 25 teams in the league that you can throw them in a hat. There's no difference between them. Um, there, there are problems in the NFL. I'm not saying that they're going to get knocked off their perch. Right. But they said the same thing about baseball. Guys, in the mid-60s, always going to be number one, and it didn't happen. So, believe me, this ratings plunge is, is item number one on Park Avenue. Uh, they don't quite know what to do about it right now. Yeah. Well, uh, I was correct. Uh, the problem with the games is that they're uh, they're boring. <laughs> uh, the the Bucks game a couple of weeks ago with the Raiders. Um, what was what was the final penalty total? Ira twenty 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 three. Twenty three penalties against the Raiders. Oh God, one team. And they won. And they won. <laughs> so if you're particularly here in Tampa, if you look at the Bucks and you know, every season, well, you, you, you're eager to see how they do. And then after a week or two, you go, nope, it's the same old bucks. So the enthusiasm is not there. I, I would imagine that story is, could be told in cities like Jacksonville and, uh, uh, you know, a lot San of San other places. Well, yeah. Carolina, Colorado, San Francisco. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Where you're, you're mathematically eliminated on the, on the first day of, of summer camp. So, um, for the the one thing that made the NFL really good in terms of being able to capture the fan interest was that it really was possible for a team to be not very good one year and be a Super Bowl contender the next. We haven't really seen a whole lot of that lately. It's pretty much the same faces, and as long as Bill Belichick's uh, you know on the sideline. Uh, Clearly, the the Patriots are going to be in the mix every year. Uh, It is good for the league. I think that that Dallas is back. Uh, You know, they are um, going to be in the playoffs, barring a a catastrophe, and and may may well advance to the Super Bowl. But everybody else, throw them in a hat, and they're all kind of faceless. And uh, my last point on that is I will agree wholeheartedly with uh, Ira. And, and the sentiment that the officials are ruining the game. And it's got to stop now. Let me ask you. We don't watch yeah. to see them. Go ahead, Ira. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm sorry, go Evan. A, yeah, I'm going to go in a, a much different direction. It's more than just the game. Um, if you remember, about seven, eight years ago, Troy Aikman said that, hey, football's on top right now, but let's see what happens in 20 years. There's been a lot of stuff that's gone on. Um, there's been, um, yeah, the Greg Hardy incident, uh, the Ray Rice incident, uh, the many players who have been arrested, uh, over the years, uh, the perceived buffoonery of Roger Goodell. Although, uh, I look at Goodell and I see Paul Tagliabue and I see Pete Rozelle. Now, Rozelle was the smoothest guy I ever met public relations wise, 
Goodell's just working for his owners. I mean, he's he's being controlled by Jerry Jones and all that. But I think there's another thing. I think, yeah, you've hit something on boredom. Uh, but if you want to watch the plays, you've got Red Zone. You've got uh, all kind of clips on your phone now. There are cord cutters, uh, 621,000 people left ESPN last month. Some of them went to uh, other things, obviously, to, to get games. Uh, but I think we have hit the point, and, and I do this every year, and, and I'm going to ask you guys, is there any day on the calendar where there's not a sports event? No. No. We used to have, and I'm 60 years old, we used to have definite seasons. Uh, baseball would start late February, gone by the second week of October. You knew that uh, football training camp would start late July and the season be over around January 1st when I was a kid. The NBA was basically October through April. Uh, NHL was October through April. Now, Wayne Gretzky once told me something, and uh, he said, kids are playing hockey year-round. He grew up with a guy by the name of Greg Steffen who played uh, with the Detroit Red Wings. They were next-door neighbors. He said April 1st came around. Their parents hid the hockey gear, gave them baseball gloves and baseball bats, and they went out and played. I think what has happened is we have far, far, far too much product. All the games in the NFL look almost the same. All the games in the NHL look all almost the same. All the games in the NBA are pretty much the same. The only game that doesn't look different is baseball because things can happen um, outside the box. But those games used to last when I was a kid, two hours and 15 minutes. Um, I think attention spans are shorter. There's too much product. And for kids, there's a hell of a lot more outside there uh, to do than when I was a kid back in the 1960s when I used to look forward to the AFL doubleheader on Channel 4 in New York, or at least one of those games, when Oakland would play with the Mad Bomber, Daryl LaMonica, against Kansas City. And you always, when you had John Hadle against Daryl LaMonica, it was that vertical game, and it was interesting. And there were 40 points scored. Today, everybody's afraid of losing their jobs, whether it's in the NHL or in the NFL or in, in basketball, and they all play the same. And, you, it, you, and George Young once told me, he said, put generic jerseys on, on people. And, and he said, take out Jerry Rice, take out Joe Montana. And he said, that's basically what you got. The people that make the difference are the Jerry Rices and the Joe Montanas, in his case, Lawrence Taylor. I, I think the games have been so watered down that they're not interesting. Why would you watch an NHL game in November? You know, an NBA game. Jim. Yeah, go ahead. You know, Jim, Jim, it's one thing. And I understood this, um, and, and and until this year, I think that the, the big debate at NFL offices, Joe, was how, how do we get people out to the stadiums? You know, right. it's so great to watch NFL football, and, and it's cheaper, and you don't have to deal with the hassle and the parking. Um, Jim, it's a far different issue in terms of uh, how do we get people to watch the games uh, on, yeah. on television. Uh, this one's a lot more serious. Um, because it's it, it's not involved with uh, financial issues uh, and, and uh, inconvenience. Um, people aren't watching, um, and I don't care if it's a Thursday night matchup. Uh, by the way, the matchups have been terrible, absolutely mm-hmm. terrible. Uh, this latest Seattle-Buffalo game was entertaining, but what are people talking about when it was over, Jim? The officials. Right. So, uh, 
you know, baseball's making a nice comeback. I know the Cubs were a big part of it, and we're not going to have mm-hmm. the Cubs every year, you know, and they broke the, the jinx. Um, but baseball, I think, is making a little bit of a comeback, and uh, mm-hmm. they better watch what they're doing on Park Avenue. Well, and, and here's the other thing. Uh, you, you talk about saturation of the product, and we have an example of that uh, tonight. Uh, this is we're, we're we're doing this on Thursday, and you've got the Browns and the Ravens, and the um, I'm not even sure people in, in in Cleveland and Baltimore will watch that game. Um, so uh, we've got to less is more is what I'm saying. There's no sense of anticipation anymore for the NFL because it's everywhere. And, you know, you got to you got to give me a break from it a little bit. And, you know, the only people who will watch the, the, the Browns and Ravens besides those directly involved are fantasy football owners who may right. happen to have somebody on that team. Other than that, That's right. why would you? You wouldn't. And, I think and, then, and, and then you look also, excuse me, you look also at the at the way. The NFL has marketed the Thursday night game uh, with all those, I don't know what you'd call them, uniforms, uh, but the special Thursday night gear, which they're, you know, okay, now they want you to run out and buy that. Um, it's, it is, it's starting, Thursday night football is starting to me to, to smack of, of uh, pro wrestling. It just is, it's too much. Uh, they need to eliminate it and say it was a bad idea and move on. Everybody hates it. Hey, Jim, I want to ask, um, Jim, I want to ask Evan, I want to ask Evan something about John Madden. I I got a little John Madden story for you guys. Um, I owe him a great debt because, no, I am uh, the Tampa Bay representative for the Mm -hmm. hall of fame. And the very first time I had to get up in front of the panel, and make a presentation well, it was not for a buccaneer, mm-hmm. but it was for Ed Sable. Ed mm-hmm. Sable, yes. who was 95 years old and mm-hmm. the head of NFL Films, the founder. Right. Uh, and, of course, his son, Steve, who passed away, did, did a fantastic job uh, of growing NFL Films. But Sable was the founder. Right. Um, and he did it when everybody said he was crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was going to make the presentation. Um, and a few days beforehand at the Super Bowl, uh, I needed one, you know, I needed one more voice, one more voice to talk about how important Ed Sable was to the growth of the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Madden was in one of the rooms, and he was giving out some kind of an award. And I waited till it was over, and I told him that in two days I was going to make the case for Ed Sable. Mm-hmm. And, guys, I knew I only had one chance. The guy's 95 right. years old. He had one right. chance to get a bust in can. And and I know how much important you know it is to these guys. And Madden just started talking about the history of the game. You know what do we have except our history? And we wouldn't have one without Ed Stable. And and because that came from John Madden with that kind of clout, um, you know, it was a successful presentation. And Stable got in. And I remember the next day, I believe the game was in. Uh, Jerry's new uh, stadium in Dallas, Arlington, and um, I come to the, you know, 
stadium two hours early, and there's Steve Sable, who I had never met, never met Ed Sable, never met Steve Sable, but somebody, when I was walking in, pointed me out to Steve Sable, and he gave me the biggest hug. He was crying about how much it meant to the family. Um, but John Madden, Evan, was a big reason that Ed Sable got into the hall because Madden's got that kind of clout, uh, uh, Evan. And, and there's not a lot of guys like a Madden. When he talks, people listen. You know, I'll tell you a story. I mean, I can tell you hundreds of stories, but I'll tell you a story. You know, I, I was with him a lot longer than Snake Stable. Um, but uh, there's one year, John used to start the season on the East Coast. Um, and he would come because he had to see his agent, the bagel boy himself, Sandy Montag. Um, so he would start the season in New York, Washington, Philadelphia, Chicago, because he'd go to Chicago. I'll tell you the Mick Jagger story after this. He'd go to Chicago because he had ace hardware people to meet. And, and the, the NFL would schedule things around him that they'd start in Green Bay or Chicago because he could base himself in Chicago or in Philadelphia, Washington, and New York. The schedule comes out, and it's not favorable to Madden. There's no – the first two weeks of the season, the Bears are on the road. Green Bay's on the road. Washington's on the road. The Giants are playing, but they're playing uh, an, an AFC team or, or something like that. So he's not there. And he calls the NFL office and Tagler doing. He says, the schedule's got to be changed. They <laughs> held up the schedule for three weeks to change, the, uh, to change the schedule so they could get Chicago, they could get Madden into Chicago and then get him into Washington because he had to be in New York because it was September, it was the new season and new advertising season and all that stuff. My favorite Madden story has been told by Michael Frank, who I Make think you know. Yeah, <laughs> they're in the Drake Hotel in Chicago. Uh, Michael Frank is with him. Michael Frank's his assistant. And they're in the Drake Hotel, and the Rolling Stones come in. And John gets into the elevator with Mick Jagger. And Mick Jagger all of a sudden says, Mr. Madden, Mr. Madden, oh, you know, I'm so happy to meet you. I'm an English guy. I don't know anything about football, nothing about football. I watch the games all the time. You teach me so much about football, I feel I know football now. Mick gets off. John goes to a higher floor, and he turns to Michael Frank. He said, do you know who that guy was? He said, yeah, Mick Jagger. He said, who? He said, Mick Jagger. He said, who's that? He said, you know, I ain't got no satisfaction. He starts singing, and he said, he looks like he gets no satisfaction. <laughs> Had no idea who Mick Jagger was. Okay, on that note. <laughs> yes. Since, since, we, since we have gotten satisfaction today. Um, I just wanted to um, say we've come to an end on this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. It's been fun. It's been entertaining. And, you know, we probably could go another two or three hours, but we're not raising money for Jerry's kids. So let's just. Uh... That's the first time. Uh, is that the first Mick Jagger reference, Jimmy, in a podcast? In ours. Yeah, that would be the first. The first. <laughs> he ain't got no. no satisfaction. I could see that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Sounds like Tom Brady. Right. I just uh, all I know is Donald Trump um, ironically comes in and out with that uh, theme song during the campaign of the, the Rolling Stones, and so everybody's like, "Wow, that's a great song." I say, "You do you do know what the name of that song is, right?" And they go, "No," and it's like "Symphony for the Devil." Um, no, so, you can't. You can't always get what you want. 
<laughs> That's one of them, but the one he does yeah, co oh, come okay. in. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to go there. Okay. It, it, yeah. It, 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 it's it's still Wednesday or Thursday, isn't it? Okay, good. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. It's you can tell we haven't had sleep this week. Honest to God. All right. Anyway, um, final calls, boys. Uh, we're going to go down. Give us uh, your best 30 seconds on what you're going to be looking for in, uh, in the next week of, of sports and your social media. We'll start with our guest, Evan Weiner. What are you going to be looking for over the next week and, um, and uh, your social media? You've got 30 seconds. Go. Not much. Actually, I'm looking for something to talk about tomorrow. So um, I – you know, it's it's going to be a quiet time in sports for the next week or so. Um, I don't think you're going to see very much. I think um, the the entire world of sports is also looking at Donald Trump and what that might mean in terms of franchise values about uh, Britain, going to Britain, continuing the uh, NFL experiment and the NBA overseas uh, in China and all that. Remember, the NBA is in China and uh, he wants to pull China deals. China. Okay, China. All right. On social uh, media, where can we find you, Evan? Just look me up. <laughs> look up my name, E-V-A-N-W-E-I-N-E-R, and be nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Henderson. Oh, well, uh, I'm kind of stoked about college basketball season. Uh, we'll be starting soon, and uh, so I'll be keeping an eye on that. I'm I, I might not go out in my front driveway there to watch an NBA game unless maybe uh, LeBron was playing in it, but I will sit there and watch uh, a Tuesday night Missouri Valley Conference game because I just I, I'm a I'm a huge college basketball fan and uh, hope springs eternal at this time of year. So uh, that's what I'm going to be watching. And social media wise, you can find me on Twitter at uh, J Henderson. Tampa, T-A-M-P-A. -A. And Ira Kaufman, your batting cleanup. All right, James, uh, on Twitter, uh, at iKaufman76. Jim, I, I don't want to root for people to lose, but in this case, I'm going to make an exception. College football, as we approach uh, the time when uh, we will crown uh, a champion right here in Tampa. Mm -hmm. um, Jim, I'm hoping that one of the teams uh, – or more, uh, ahead of Louisville, loses down the stretch mm -hmm. because I want to see that quarterback and that offense uh, in the championship rounds. Uh, they're the biggest story in, in college football, in my mind, uh, excitement, and um, I think uh, the championship playoffs will be lesser uh, if, 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 if the Cardinals are not in it, Jim. Let me jump back to Joe for just a second. Um, okay. If Michigan loses to Ohio State, do they jump into Which the final four? Ohio State? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, Why that, wouldn't? I mean, uh, no. I'm, uh, what I'm, I'm just that, to, to get to Ira's point. I'm just saying. You know. Well, uh, I, don't, I don't see Clemson losing anymore. I don't no, see no. Alabama losing anymore. Uh, so the only well, way they get in there, right? If check me if I'm wrong in this. The only way they get in there is if Michigan. If one of the the big ten, you know, if Michigan falls out, right? Well, that that's correct. And uh, if Ohio State beats Michigan, which I believe they will, yeah, uh, then uh, 
then the Buckeyes move into the playoffs. So, and but 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 uh, I guess what I'm asking is, is does Michigan fall out far enough so that Iris yes, so Iris uh, well, Cardinals are in? Yeah, I don't I don't see two Big Ten teams in the playoffs. I just don't. Uh, okay. Not in a four team matchup. Yeah, and you've forgotten all about Washington. Yeah, so, what about Washington, Jimmy? You know, oh, there yeah. you go. Uh, so <laughs> point so point to, well taken. It, yes. In, in keeping with the phrase of the week, I don't see a path to victory for Louisville. Yeah, you know what happened in that regard, right? Okay. Right. I, I'm aware. I'm aware that I don't see it. All right. They had well, their shot. They, they lost to Clemson. I, the over. best team they may be playing is Washington State. I could be wrong. Maybe. You'll, right. We'll never know. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us on this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams. With the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, and our special guest and a great guy and longtime friend, happy to have him, Evan Weiner. You can read his stuff, Business of Sports, on uh, Sports Talk Florida and Google him because you might just want to go listen to him speak uh, in the many places that he is out there speaking. So anyway, thanks for joining us, Evan. And uh, guys, we'll see you next time. Folks, we hope you enjoyed this edition of the Sunshine Boys Podcast.